Next on BYU Sports Nation, love and sports. Why West Coast Conference basketball and SEC football are the perfect match. Are they? President Coach Steve Cleveland discusses when he thinks BYU basketball change happens and why expectations should change in the West Coast Conference. And BYU baseball coach Mike Littlewood on why the Cougars have turned things around eight wins in the last nine games and hungry for more. Let's go! This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Wednesday, April 12th. Wherever and however you're dialed in, it's great to have you with us, and it's great to welcome back the Seattle Mariners Rally Monkey equivalent, Jerem Jordan. The Rally Monkey is specific to the Angels, who scored seven in the ninth inning to beat said Mariners on Sunday. So please don't ever bring up that stinking Rally Monkey. We're talking about what happened on Monday. Or you were at the... No, no. No, no. Earlier this week when you were at the home open. Yeah, it was Monday. Monday. It was Monday. Yeah. No, it was great. It was great to be at Safeco. I did not try the toasted grasshoppers, contrary to popular belief. They're dipped in chocolate? Uh, no, they're just toasted. Oh, they're just like toasted. like a chili and lime. What in the world? I know. Yeah. That's the worst thing about Safeco. Safeco? Why? Yeah, everything Why? else is great. I don't know. Just because it's unique? Unique New York. <laughs> the human torch has been not denied a bank loan. Yeah, I don't know. No, it was great. It was great. You need to go to more games because every time you go to a Mariners game, something is good that, happens. Hey, hey, if the boss sends me to more games, I'm there, man. I, I thought I'd hitter, be here more often. A no-hitter and a shutout. <laughs> no, it was great. Went to the employee store. I was not what did you what did you say about me? A, a calculated, calculated spender. spender. I was uh, less of a calculated spender. This time is a personal record for me. I'm Tor- so happy that you Tor- finally saw the light, Jerem. Toward Nike campus with our uh, homie Chris Burks. So that was fun yesterday. Odell Beckham Jr. was on campus. I missed him, though. Yeah. Oh, OBJ was OBJ there. OBJ was there, dude. Yeah. You didn't have the access to get into that? Well, I had to go to the airport. So, <laughs> so Yeah, that's the reason. Well, welcome back. Yeah, thank Spencer you. Spencer and Jerem back together again. Good to be back. Hooray. Hey, Jamal. <laughs> Jamal. Great to be back. Here are Jamal. today's. BYU Sports Nation headlines. It's your BYU Sports Nation headlines. College Football News released an article with the title, quote, How would the college football playoff system handle it if BYU goes 13-0? and Oh, boy. Just stop Bronco it. Bronco Mendenhall and Jake Keeps think this is awesome. The article mentioned an improved defense and offensive line as reasons why BYU could have a special season. Okay. I, I smell a trending topic soon, and it s- smells like you-know-what. <laughs> Jimmer Fredette's trophy case is getting more hardware. Jimo Dashen took home the Asia-Basketball.com. That's my source for Asia Basketball. Uh, awards for Player of the Year, Guard of the Year, Import Player of the Year. Import Player of the Year. He sounds like he's a, like a drink or something. As well as first-team All-CBA honor. So Jimmer Fredette truly is Jimo Dashen. He's worked himself into the top 50 all-time Chinese Basketball <laughs> Association players list. Which is really long. <laughs> Yao Ming and a bunch of Americans. It is pretty cool that uh, in his one year, he did all of that. He is the Jimmer. BYU Baseball defeated Utah Valley 8-3. to The Batcats had a total of 12 hits, led by D.C. Clausen. His two hits, a home run and three runs batted in the Mustache Mafia. 
or not, begin a series against Pepperdine tomorrow at 8 Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Yeah, I, I think we should call them the Mustache Mafia, just see if the good mojo will be there, because they won 8 of 9, by the way. We'll eight talk to Mike Littlewood coming up, the head coach. Yeah, what's the deal with that? What's the deal? Bill, BYU softball defeated Southern Utah 13-3 to in a run rule win after five innings yesterday. BYU would have scored about 30 runs, but they ended the game after five. Caitlin Larson Aldridge hit two home runs, had four RBIs, three runs. Baller, she'd be on my fantasy team if there were NCAA softball fantasy leagues. Mackenzie St. Clair and Ashley Thompson also hit a pair of home runs. It's the first four-homer game in the last three seasons for BYU softball. And the ladies are ranked 20th in all the land. Into the top 20, not bad. Rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending, brought to you by Ahern Rentals. Your next job is our priority. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Mystery date. West Coast Conference basketball meet. Southeastern Conference football. Huh? Imagine that. WCC basketball and SEC football have profiles... I don't know, let's say on Tinder, on Bumble, on FarmersOnly.com. Well, Spokane, that makes sense. They're out there looking for that perfect online match. First of all, there is no perfect match, but there are plenty of really close to perfect matches. And much to your surprise, I'm guessing, the WCC in basketball and SEC in football are quite the match. You're going to have to explain yourself. I can hear collective scoffs. And please, from all of the doubters. Bill Walton. Again, not a perfect match, but pretty dang close. And with this precursor, the top of the SEC football is loaded, right? Yeah. Absolutely loaded. Like world beater loaded in the top four. But Traditionally, what about, we could have done Big Ten with this too. But what about teams 5 through 14, especially recently on an annual basis? The current state of the SEC outside of the top four finishers is, wait for it, pretty average. Huh? Oh, yeah. Big Ten was the best football conference last year. No, but it's the SEC, Jerem. That can't be. It's the SEC, right? The Civil War is over. Get over it. In the last two years, the SEC has placed exactly two teams in the final top 20 college football playoff rankings. Two. That sounds a little bit like, oh, I don't know, the West Coast Conference with Gonzaga and St. Mary's, Jerem. Well, well, well. How about that? Think about it. How the turns table, Spencer. Think about this. Gonzaga equal Alabama. Yeah. Alpha dog. Every stinking year. In league. Yeah, absolutely. You win the conference, right? Like you, yeah. You, everyone lines sharpie up. Sharpie it in. Everyone Larry Bird's it. They look around and they go, who's competing for a second? And St. Mary's goes, yeah, us. Crazy, right? St. Mary's. Okay, this is where St. Mary's becomes the Florida, LSU, Auburn. Teams in the hunt. Right? Really good. But not close to Alabama. Okay, I feel you. And feel might, you might sneak a title now and again. I mean, yeah, if you have, uh, you know, minor league uh, batter of the year, Tim Tebow. But it's the outlier. It's the outlier, right? It doesn't happen often when one of those teams sneaks up on Gonzaga or Alabama. And then BYU. Who is BYU? Yeah, who is BYU? Who is their equivalent in SEC football? Two teams that we have come up with. Mississippi. And Texas A&M. I love it because those teams are the bane of Alabama, right? Yeah, Ole Miss has beaten Alabama two of the last three years, right? <laughs> like, 
BYU's beaten Gonzaga the last three years. And like, A&M went into Tuscaloosa and won yeah. a few and years back. Yet, it didn't affect said title hopes, right? No. Like, Alabama still went to the national title game two years in a row against the same team, right? You know why yeah, it doesn't I, I, affect... I like that. I like that. You know why it doesn't affect the title? Because Ole Miss and Texas A&M have random losses to, like, Kentucky and Vanderbilt. Yeah. A.K.A. Pepperdine and, it, huh? and Santa Clara. It's strange... How this lines up, and there's a reason that we're doing this. Yeah, what's yeah, what's the reason? To point out because that the West Coast, the West Coast Conference, because of the way that the conference is structured, and because of the talent at the top, it is tougher for BYU to win the WCC than it has been for them in the Mountain West Conference and the Western Athletic Conference. Absolutely. The top is loaded, just like the SEC. Why can't Texas A&M go into the SEC like they did a few years ago and win the conference? Yeah, it's more like you're right. Texas A&M is the one that pops more because they could have won the Big Twelve, right? They're, they're an import. To yes, the, to the league. Yeah, and they came into the league and they probably thought, oh, we can compete in this league, and no, they haven't competed in the league. They've won very some well. big games. I mean, Johnny Manziel won the Heisman, and they went to the Cotton Bowl and won. I believe in that, but yeah, you're right. And that's interesting, right? If you think of Steve Cleveland, who will join us later, we'll ask him about this. He has said, okay, just think about this. Like, Kansas is in the league in the form of Gonzaga. When he said that, I thought, oh my goodness, will BYU ever win the WCC? Which brings us to today's Twitter question. Ah, yes. When do you expect BYU to win the WCC in basketball? Why? Use there, hashtag BYUSN. There is a lot there, and we'll get into the particulars of that throughout this show. But with the way that the conference is right now, because Gonzaga is who they are, and Mark Few is the coach. Even if Zach Collins leaves, they, they reload. They lost Kyle Wilcher and DeMontis Sabonis last year, and then, then they had their best team ever. As long as Mark Few is the head coach, Gonzaga will be awesome. They are Alabama. They are Alabama. They, yeah, they're Kansas in hoops. You can Alabama in league, nationally no, but in league, yes, yes. and that's the analogy. They crush in, in the WCC, the yeah. They crush wills, they crush opponents, they crush attendance, they crush the tournament, you know, the Las Vegas Invitational, a.k.a. the West Coast Conference Tournament. Yeah, I, I like that. Use the hashtag BYUSN. When do you expect BYU to win the league? I do not expect BYU to win the league for a while. I don't even know when it's going to happen. It will happen, but I don't know when. It's not for the... Next couple years. Like, I don't see it happening next year or the year after that. At C. Willie Wet. <laughs> W-H-E-T. Wet. Wet. If Mika comes back, BYU will win it this year. Really? <sighs> okay. They, oh, they will. Okay. Really? I, listen, can BYU compete for the West Coast Conference Championship? Yes, but it's going to take... Quite the record. Yes, just like Ole Miss and Texas A&M can compete. Right? What record is required at a minimum, and on, on average, the last couple of years, to win the league? That is our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. The past four seasons, since the league added Pacific, there's 10 teams in the league. The West Coast Conference regular season champion has averaged a record of 16-2. and two. Do you know what BYU has averaged the last four years? 12.8 wins, essentially 13. BYU's three whole wins off the mark. Those are the non-St. Zaga losses. Yes. Yes, they are. If you can avoid those, trim that down to one, now you, and go 3-1 and one against the 
St. Zaga. Now you're competing, right? Now think about this. Now you're not competing. You're actually winning the league. BYU's averaging 13 league wins per year, and they've won in Spokane each of the last three years. So that's that's like the six turnovers against Utah. You still lost, but it took you six turnovers just to get there, just to compete. So when yeah, we yeah. ask you, when ah. we ask you, that's my reaction to this. When do you ah. expect BYU to win so the West Coast Conference in basketball? We are essentially asking. When do you expect BYU to win 16 to, games at least and lose two? Hey, two of the last three years, there's been a number one seed in the NCAA tournament in the league. And that team, Gonzaga, obviously, has gone 17 and one two of the last three years. So even if BYU had gone 16 and two, they would have taken second in this league. You know, you want to know how you win the league, Spencer? I have a surefire way. Okay. You go 18 and 0. That's the only way <laughs> you win this league because Gonzaga is the landlord and BYU rents. And that's listen, I'm I'm okay with it. I'm not good with it. I'm okay with it though. Because I don't think BYU is going to be better than Gonzaga consistently, right? And that's fine because Gonzaga is like one of the top five programs. I in the feel like okay? a lot of that's fans okay. in the SEC are okay with Alabama no, dominating you s- because yes. you can still be good and still be relevant even if Alabama is dominating the conference. Know where you stand. Know your place, right? And BYU's place is competing for second. That does- Dave Rose has had eight at-large bids in 12 years. It was eight of ten. At one point. Or nine. That's incredible. Dave is good at getting to the tourney, and BYU can still get to the tourney. That's fine. The West Coast Conference compared to the SEC in football. That's pretty good. We went there today. It's not perfect, but it's pretty good. When do you expect BYU to win the West Coast Conference in basketball and why? Send in your tweets using the hashtag BYUSN. <laughs> Up next, the BYU baseball coach, Mike Littlewood. They've won eight of nine. What's the deal with that? He's going to explain that next. They're going to win eight of the next nine, too. What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation is brought to you by Ahern Rental. Your next job is our priority. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Welcome back, BYU Sports Nation simulcast on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan hanging out in Studio B. Follow the conversation on Twitter using the hashtag BYUSN and check out our account at BYU Sports Nation. Hey, men's volleyball is playing in the Mountain Pacific Sports Federation Star Trek uh, quarterfinals coming up Saturday at 9 Eastern time. BYU's ranked third, Stanford's ranked ninth. Stanford has played top three teams five times this year. You want to guess their record? Oh, and five. Yep, that's right. And only one team has lost a set, or given a set, I guess, to Stanford. It was BYU. That was BYU. Yeah. Yeah. So it should be an exciting match coming up Saturday night on Brigham Young University Television. Our Twitter question today, when do you expect BYU men's basketball to win the WCC and why? At McKay underscore Allen tweets in, St. Zaga will be dominant again. I love that that's a thing. (laughs) Best chance in two years, 2018-19, when most of our guys, speaking of BYU, are juniors and seniors and current St. Zaga starters are gone. Well, that's the thing. That's the thing. Mark Few reloads. There's unlimited ammo there. Sorry. (laughs) In the form of transfers and amazing freshmen. So... They are yeah. Alabama of SEC football. Gonzaga in West Coast Conference basketball is Alabama in the SEC. Well, yeah. Maybe last year we were saying when Sabonis and Wiltshire are gone, then they'll be the national runner. That's exactly what we said. 
or not. No, we we just assume they're going to win the league. Yeah. No, if anything, everybody was saying, yeah, well, Sabonis and Wiltshire are gone. That opens the door for BYU, right? No. <laughs> it was doorless entry. They got a good thing going in Spokane. Yeah, it, no, that, compete, compete. That is Let's for go. sure. Compete. Joining us now in Studio B is a man who just recently won the West Coast Conference, or at least a share of the regular season title I'll last year. Hoops. Mike Littlewood of BYU Baseball. Hello, Mike. Coach, what's, up, guys? what's the secret? How do you win the West Coast Conference? Man, I have no idea in basketball. <laughs> uh, you know how to officiate that it. Would be, that would be tough. I, you know, when Chris Bryant was at San Diego, my first and second years here, I mean, it was almost an unbeatable team. That's what you felt, no matter if, if they were – Winning by nine or you were beating them by nine, you were going to lose the game. That's just the feeling. Finally, we're to a point where we feel like we can beat anybody right now. It's a great feeling to know that you're not just going to go in and, and get spanked three, three games in a row. But that, you know, that's what's going on at Gonzaga right now in, in basketball. They're just you, – you said it. They're, they're deep. They're big. They're physical. They're athletic. And, and then they have guys waiting to, be, to take those roles on. I mean, it's just – it's amazing. But – Baseball, it's more just about going out every single day, being consistent, um, playing catch, you know, putting, putting quality at-bats together and throwing the ball over the plate. If you do that, you can be successful. Over the weekend, I saw Oregon State in Corvallis play Utah. Uh, Oregon State's number one. They have an all-turf field. I know you've talked about mm-hmm. what you guys are going to do with the outfield. I was like, oh, my goodness, an all-turf field so weird because they didn't have dirt in the infield, yeah. which is weird. That's not what you're doing here. Can you explain what the plan is a little bit for BYU? There's not going to be one piece of dirt on our baseball field. It's all turf. Are you serious? Mound, plate, infield, outfield. That's kind of what that's, – that's Even the, the mound? The mound, mound. Wow. Um, we played at Kansas last year, Portland last year. That's kind of – if you're going to do turf, do turf because really you're, you do turf to get on the field more often. And um, if it's raining, you can't get on the, the mound if, if the rain is hitting the mound. Of course, you don't want to play in a, down, in a deluge, but um, we're going to – in January, so we're going to have a heater under it as well. Uh, Dave, Dave Decker um, was a former player here. Was nice enough to give us a million dollars for the to start this project going. Wow! And, and Thanks, Dave. Unbelievable. CMS Online's his company, and he just he's been. He's That's such a plug a, that is totally fine. See, <laughs> I, I mean, he's just such an such an incredible, incredibly generous guy. I mean, uh, if I had a thousand dollars in my pocket, it'd be hard to give somebody one dollar. You yeah, know, you I'd wouldn't like, give me a dollar. Yeah, no, I might give Spencer, but <laughs> just because he does our, our games. But <laughs> I mean, it, it's hard to pull that money and, and say, here, do what you're going to do with it. So, man, I mean, just incredible for not just us right now, but I mean, this is 20, 25 years down the line. This, this is going to be a, an absolutely incredible uh, project and, and field, and it'll be done in September. So we're really, wow. really excited mm. for that. Yeah. So you'll start in January. They're going to start the field. The perfect in time June. to dig into the ground. They'll start in June. Okay. They'll start right when our season's over, and uh, it's about a three-and-a-half-month project. Uh, and I think people, even though it's turf, people are going to walk into this, that stadium, and they're, they're going to say, wow, this field looks incredible for February, not even knowing that it's turf. I mean, that's, that's the look that the field's going to have. Mm-hmm. You won't know until you get down there and feel it. Yeah. When, yeah, when I saw it, I was like, oh, I couldn't tell for a little bit. Uh, yeah. Does this mean that you could play in uh, weather that you couldn't now because the dirt is unplayable? Yeah. You don't need to cover it per se. Exactly. And it's heated, of course. Yeah. And it's heated. So okay. It changes the game. Yeah, I mean, that heater's going to keep up with about four. And it's all in, it's all in zone, so it, you don't turn the entire thing on, but it'll go zone to zone, and, and that heater will. And it'll keep up with four to six inches of snow per hour. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be – it's a first turf baseball field in – the United States that, that's done like this. And so there's a lot of fields in, in Europe and there's a lot of different things around, but um, 
This is the first one in the United States. We're pretty excited about it. Michigan State hmm. has a, a natural grass field. They have a heater on their infield only. And I've seen pictures of it from their coach. There's and you tw- played there. We played there. Yeah, we played there in the fall. But there's 12 inches of snow in the outfield, and the infield's totally clear. They'll t- take ground balls on it. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so it's, pre- it's going to be pretty special. But, but thanks to Dave Decker and Tom Homo and Brian Santiago, President Worth. I mean, it goes up – this is a big-time project, and we're really, really proud of it. Well, BYU baseball on the rise, and I know that all of those gentlemen you just mentioned are excited about eight wins in your last nine games after last night's win against Utah Valley. What, what has been the – if you could pinpoint one thing like to how you've turned things around, what would you say? Well, I think it's simply timely hitting and better, better starting pitching, better pitching overall. You know, you look at our first ten games, we lose six games by one run and two games by, by two runs, you know, the, the games we lost, and – I kept telling people all along, we're a better team than 500. Just, you know, trust me. And like my wife says, go prove it. You know, Talk, talk's cheap. Go prove it. So Danny keeps me kind of um, humble. But it's really what it's been. I mean, we feel like we have the team that can compete with anybody. Uh, but you have to get it done on the field. And I think right now we're playing with confidence. Um, Tanner Chauncey and, and Colton Shaver starting to swing the bat a little bit more. And Brennan Anderson got off to a slow start. He's been great in that leadoff hole for us. And I think at, at the first, we'd get a guy on third base with, in a tie game and less than two outs, and it was almost like everybody tightened up, you know. Oh, i got to do this, or the next guy's not going to. And, it, and, and it's contagious. I mean, it really is. One guy doesn't do it, the next guy doesn't do it. Just like Coach Cleveland free throw shooting or putting. I mean, that's kind of what I relate it to. It's just you start getting more tense when the first guy doesn't do it. We're just playing relaxed baseball right now, playing catch, um, pitching it a little bit and getting timely hitting. And yesterday that happened in a 8-3 uh, win against... Utah Valley, six runs in the first two innings. Yeah. What, how important is it to start a game like that? Very. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, the, the one thing you need to be a, kind of leery about as a head coach is that, that lull. And we hit a lull third inning, fourth inning, fifth inning, sixth inning, and then we, we put a run on. Then they came back and scored three, and then we answered in the seventh. But, um, we, we, in, and then we put another one up in the ninth. But we were putting pressure on them the whole night. Uh, and, and that's – you always want to. I mean, we've been down five zero many times this year in the first inning for some strange reason to come back and, and won a lot of those. Yeah, games. I was going to point that out. Come back yeah. and win those. And so we know that we know that no no lead really in college baseball is safe until that you get that final out. I want to take you back to last Monday, the Oregon game, and you know they come in with a lot of pitching, and this is a Pac twelve power, right? Your team commits six errors. I don't think you had committed six errors all season. Probably not. And then that happens in one game. At, at what point do you just kind of chalk it up as, okay, this is a fluke. This, this is not who we are. And, and what do you say to your team after a game like that? Well, I said, have a short memory. That, I mean, that's really what I, basically I said to them. That, that's not us. I told them to look at the scoreboard. We had our team meeting instead of the clubhouse out on the field. And I said, look at the scoreboard, the far bottom right, where it says six uh, errors. And, and then look at the score, nine, six. I mean, there's a direct correlation between those two things. I mean, and sometimes you walk out and you play, although I don't feel like our team does this a whole lot, if, if ever, but sometimes you play the, the name on the front of the jersey. And I think that's, even though uh, we didn't feel intimidated or anything like that, but that's been one of the things we're trying to get over here. Just go play your game. Don't worry about it's Oregon or it's Arizona State. We, and we've had really good success against, mostly on the road, believe it or not. I mean, we beat Arizona State on the road, um, Louisiana State on the road, um, just through the years. But then we, you, last year with Arizona coming in, I don't I don't feel like we played well and we lost sim- a similar way booted a lot of balls and national runner-up yeah year. and we were just just but you literally there was 
all those players on that field, there was maybe only one guy I would exchange. I mean, they had one really good player that we would take. Everybody else, I liked our guys better. And so it's just a matter of getting it done and, and uh, you know, playing your game. And I think that's what happened that day. And I don't know if we've committed maybe one error since. Yes, it's crazy. Crazy. It's crazy. You're 7-2 and two in league. You've done a, a really nice job of uh, – you're number one in the league right now. You have a big series against five and four Pepperdine coming in uh, this weekend. What, what will be the key to maybe this series against the Waves? It's always going to be starting pitching. I, I think uh, we'll, we'll see a left-hander Wilson, the kid who struck us out 15 times in the conference tournament last year. He's a lefty, 90-92, good curveball, good changeup. Um, you know, it, it, their stuff's not as good at elevation, and so curveball's not as sharp. Uh, they may have a little bit, you know, maybe one more mile an hour on their fastball. That's just kind of how it is. And we need to lay off his changeup, but I mean, for us, starting pitching is is the key. Um, that's that's what's going to carry us because I feel like we're always going to put runs up. Knock on wood. Um, I feel like we're always going to be competitive at the plate, and and we'll play good defense. So it's all about pitching. It's hard not to notice the staggering numbers from your starting pitcher Hayden Rogers. As I was preparing mm-hmm. for the Pepperdine game, he has been really, really good, and I'm probably understating that. But why do you feel like Hayden Rogers has? has been able to step up and kind of take that next step in his pitching evolution. Command. That command of the strike zone. Uh, he's not throwing any harder than he was, but he's, uh, he can throw his fastball on the inside part of the plate, outside part of the plate. He gets hit a little bit just because he doesn't have a good velocity. Uh, I mean, he's, he'll, he'll be 85, 86, but I don't, think, I don't think his last start he threw a pitch over 83. said his legs were a little tight, but that shows you what location, you know. Real estate and pitching, it's all about location. And Jamie so, Moyer. Yeah, no like, doubt. Yeah. yeah, no doubt. Um, and he's throwing his curveball and change up for strikes or where he wants to throw them. And, and he's pitching with confidence. And to have a guy like that on the third day is, is pretty special, yeah, especially wow. after you see two power right-handers and then you and th- kind of flip up a guy out that's, a, that's totally different, gives him a different look. You're uh, 34th nationally in batting average. You're hitting 300 as a team, 20th in doubles per game. What's going right for the offense right now? Well, just, just quality at-bats. I mean, we're, we're, we have a philosophy that we want to uh, accomplish when we go up there. Everybody, we're not just going up there and saying, I hope they throw me a strike and I'm going to try to hit it. I mean, our guys work hard with, with Coach Pratt in the mornings, and they know what they want to do. We know the, the opposing pitcher pretty well. So if we put that plan into action and just stay with what we're going to do, you don't see our team swinging at many pitches in front of the plate or taking fastballs for strikes early in the count. I mean, we just don't do that. And so you're, you're Vlad Guerrero go up there. Yeah, away. right. Yeah. Yeah. We're the anti Vlad Guerrero. So, <laughs> uh, you know, we want to hunt fastballs early in the count pitches. We can, we can uh, hit hard and uh, you know, that's, we've been doing a really good job of that. So and we talk about pitching, hitting and, and defense, and we're doing all three of those pretty well right now. Mike Littlewood, the head baseball coach at BYU, with us in Studio B on BYU Sports Nation. I was looking at the RPI the other day, and I believe BYU right now, high 60s, something like that. What is a comfortable position for you to be in when you get closer to NCAA regionals and and hopes of of ending that streak of 15 years of not playing in in the NCAA postseason? You know, I've never figured out the RPI. I've sat in meetings with people who run it. I mean, are we 50? What are we, 57? Uh, if you're a, cheating us by 10 points, Spencer. As of yesterday, right. 65. 65, okay. Yeah. Uh, kudos. <laughs> Honestly, I don't ever look at the RPI. Tuckett Slate, our director of operations, tells me what we are. And, because ultimately, for me, it doesn't really matter. I think our first year we were 36 or something like that. Some crazy, some crazy number. Yeah. And we beat San Francisco two out of three during the league. They made it to the championship game. We took, well, I think we won one in the, in the conference tournament. And they took second. Their RPI was a lot lower than ours, and they get in. 
Uh, turns out someone, you know, I'm not going to, well, I won't even say <laughs> stuff about the committee and how that works. But, you know, th- those last five, six, and it works the same way. Coach Cleveland can tell you this in basketball. Those last five or six, I'm sure it's they go in and fight for whoever they want. And it's like, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll take those guys. It's, it's not all about the numbers. And so I, I, don't, I don't even pay attention to that. I just look at it. We have to win our league. We have to win the, the West Coast Conference Tournament. And if we do those two things, our RPI should be high enough to, to, to get us in anyway. So, I don't know. Getting to that championship game is really, really important. You know who's 37th in RPI? San- Oregon. Oh, Oregon. Just okay. for a reference. Okay. Well, what's guess- interesting, here's, here's an interesting thing about the RPI. I think Utah, and I can't give you the exact numbers, Utah was like, they jumped like 30 points after, I think it was losing to yeah, that, that's why Oregon RPI, State. RPI stinks. Yeah. Utah's 52. They're 12 and 16. You're 65 yeah, and you're 18. I, they're 52, but I think they were 80 before they got swept by Oregon State. Yeah. Figure that one it's out. It's not 1986. We don't yeah, need RPI We have advanced it. metrics. Hey, yeah. I just want to point out, since the last time you came on the show, Coach, you haven't lost a conference game. 6-0. and Knock on wood. <laughs> That's either good <laughs> coaching or the karma or both. <laughs> yeah. We're going to say it's the karma. Okay. Well, we're going to give you another dose of the karma right now for uh, the Pepperdine series this weekend. BYU and Pepperdine Thursday night at 8 Eastern, 6 Mountain Time on BYU TV to open things up and keep that conference win streak alive. Or that's what uh, BYU is hoping for. Coach, great to talk to you as always. Yeah, hey, hey appreciate all you guys do for us too. You From the it. heart, you guys are great ambassadors for, for BYU Athletics, and we appreciate it. All hey, of us, all of us. So thanks. Appreciate it, Mike. Hey, you got it. Thank you. RPI you can, explained you can like stay for no the next other. segment after that. <laughs> oh, am I in? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. See you, Coach Cleveland. Yeah, Coach Mike Little with two segments. Coach Cleveland is on his way like, out. He's like, I got stuff, man. I have notes and stuff. Steve Cleveland is going to tell us. When he thinks BYU will win the West Coast Conference. He's got a top Mike Littlewood, though. (laughs) Welcome back, sports friends. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan hanging out in Radio Vision live on BYU Radio, simulcast on BYU TV. We are also on demand anytime, anywhere. We just spoke with Mike Littlewood. We also compared BYU and the West Coast Conference basketball to the SEC in football. Yeah. Compelling and rich. You can download it on the BYU TV or BYU Radio apps. You can also check it out. Check us out on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher. Just make one up. We're probably on that too. And how about that heated turf field that will be I, unlike any other in the United States? I, I'm telling you, I went to Oregon State on Saturday. They're number one in the country, and I was like, "It's an all turf field." It was a dirt mound, but I was like, "All turf? That's crazy!" Sliding, fielding, running. This is cool, though. This changes the game for BYU. They can play earlier home games. It could still be raining or snow, and they could still just play. Trust me, I sat in the hail and watched an Oregon State-Utah game. It went 16 innings. I left after the 13th. I can't believe you stayed that long. Well, yeah. Three-year-old and... uh, and uh, in-law grandpa, so we had to bounce. By the way, Slash we were hungry. the Beavers swept the Utes, in case you were Two wondering. walk-offs for Oregon State, so yeah. Utah hung there. There you go. But still lost, which was fun to watch. BYU getting a turf field. That is the headline, however. And if you want to hear we more knew, about that. We knew that. We didn't know the The extent of it, yeah. 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 Download the podcast to hear all of that. Let's refresh today's BYUSN headlines. College Football News released an article with the title, quote, How would the college football playoff system handle it if... BYU goes 13-0, and 0, end quote. Yep, soak that in. The article also mentioned an improved defense and offensive line as reasons why BYU could have a special season. What, 
What is a special season? Oh, Spencer, we have a long time to discuss what that. What is a special season? Jimo Dashan, a.k.a. Jimmer Fredette's Trophy Case, getting more hardware. He took home the Asia-Basketball.com awards for Player of the Year, Guard of the Year, Import Player of the Year, as well as First Team All-CBA <laughs> honors and Mormon of the Year. No, that's not one. BYU Baseball beat Utah Valley yesterday 8-3. to The Batcats had a total of 12 hits led by D.C. Clawson with his two hits, home run and three runs batted in. The Cougars begin a series against Pepperdine tomorrow at 8 Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio. And softball beat Southern Utah 13-3 to in a run rule win after five innings yesterday. Caitlin Larson Aldridge, who is a super star, hit two home runs, had four RBIs, three runs. Mackenzie St. Clair and Ashley Thompson also hit a pair of homers. It's the first four homer game since... 2015, the Cougars host Pacific Friday for a doubleheader starting at 7 Eastern live on BYU TV. Yeah, 20th ranked BYU. That just sounds good, doesn't it? It just feels right. Feels right to have more ranked teams on campus. Joining us in Studio B is the president coach, Steve Cleveland, men's basketball analyst, former BYU basketball coach, and all-around fantastic human being, salt of the earth. What's up, Steve? Welcome back, you man. Good, guys. How are you? Hey, we're, we're good. We're you should have s- had me on for the baseball segment. <laughs> yeah? You know, I, I played a lot of baseball all my life. Family, baseball, family. Dad went to SC, played baseball there. Your so dad played base- at SC? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Why'd you, why'd you play basketball? He was drafted? He drafted by uh, Branch Rickey. Um, no really? kidding. Yeah. Of the Brooklyn Dodgers? Same time that uh, uh, Jackie? Jackie, Jackie was there, and uh, he... He chose not to do it, stayed at SC, didn't want to play Sundays. It's a pretty amazing story. Wow. And uh, so, But we were a baseball family. I love, I, we were, Mike and I were talking. It's, it's my favorite sport to play. And I just didn't happen to do it. I love basketball, mm. obviously, but love, love baseball. Wow, a man of you, many talents. I, I did not know that. I love that it just came out on the air while we were the, hanging out we here. <laughs> hey, forget whatever else we were going to talk about today. Let's talk about the fact that your dad was Who maybe going to play Saga? with Pee Wee yeah. Reese and – a Dodger fan for whole life. Yeah, I've had to suffer a little bit, but uh, oh, it's I love good the now. Dodgers. Oh, it's in, good. in Indiana, I became kind of a Cubs fan because everybody there was a Cubs fan, and I kind of. Did, did you root for the Cubs in the playoffs? Oh yeah, absolutely. Against your Dodgers? Time. Yeah, you know what? It was a funny thought. My thinking was, is they've waited so long. Dodgers have had a couple opportunities. It was. It took the sports world by storm. It was I the last it. great sports story I, oh, in America. God, I loved it. It was fantastic. The Indians are like, what about us? The Indians might be, they might, they might, they might be back again. Oh, yeah. We could have a rematch. Yeah, we, we could have a rematch. They're both loaded. Hey, we're Mariner. breaking down Major League Baseball. <laughs> hey, Mariners won't be there. I know that. <laughs> Steve Cleveland with us in Studio B. Our Twitter question today is focused on BYU basketball. And before we restate it, I want to point out a couple of things, starting with our stat of the day. On average, over the last four years, the West Coast Conference regular season champion has won 16 games and lost only two. It's been better than that for Gonzaga the last few years. But, 17 and 1, two of the list. But on average, 16 and 2. BYU, in the last four years since Pacific came over and they've had, you know, 18 league games, are averaging just a hair under 13 wins per season. So we are essentially asking today when do you think BYU will win the West Coast Conference? And by asking that, we are saying when do you think BYU will be good enough to win 16 league games at least? Well, I, I think some of that has to do with what's going to happen this spring. But I think if you were going to just say that Williams Goss comes back and uh, they've got who they have, they're going to lose Collins. I, I don't care what anybody's talking about. He's 11th on the draft board right now as a lottery pick. Oh, yeah, yeah he signed an agent. He's yeah, out. Yeah, he's out. So, but you've got Melson, Perkins, Williams, Tilly, Williams Goss. That's a pretty formidable group. You've got to feel like they're favored to win it. St. Mary's going to be close. Uh, maybe – 
BYU a year away. But a year from now, things could be way different. Number one, there's going to be a lot of losses to graduation. I understand that Gonzaga will f- they will find transfers. They'll find new recruits. St. Mary's takes big losses to graduation. I think that you know a year from now, legitimately, BYU has an opportunity to win those 16 games and win a conference tournament. That's a group of juniors and seniors. You mentioned it, and I think it's realistic. Who knows what's going to happen? We still don't know what's going to happen in terms of recruiting for for BYU. We don't know what's going to happen with Eric Mika. Uh, I, I think it's going to be more competitive this year than a lot of people think it's going to be. Interesting. And, and I would love that because it's kind of, it's kind of getting stale. Okay, Gonzaga yeah. wins it. BYU's trying to get an at-large. BYU's not winning the tourney in Vegas. Yeah, I, I need something else. Let's say Williams Goss goes pro. Then what? What do, you, what do you think of Gonzaga in the league? I like St. Mary's to win the conference. I like St. Mary's yeah. to win the conference. And I think BYU sneaks in at second. And at Gonzaga third. Now, I'm wow! That, Gonzaga that, third? Yes. Now, let me just tell you why. Okay? Num- number one, BYU, Gonzaga hasn't been BYU's problem. They split with them three years in a row. They haven't been their nemesis. It's been St. Mary's. St. Mary's takes significant losses. This year, I see St. Mary's winning this thing. If Gonzaga lose players, more players than they've lost already, then I, I like St. Mary's winning this conference championship. The following year, hence, I like BYU where they stand. But I, I like BYU in that situation because they're going to beat Gonzaga again. It's, it's certainly, if Goss doesn't, Williams Goss doesn't play, they have to beat St. Mary's. They split with St. Mary's. They split with Gonzaga next year. I don't see them losing some of the games they lost. I think this league Talking is, about BYU? Yeah, BYU. I still don't see BYU. This, this is a year of transition still. Five, four or five new coaches, guys trying to find players. It's an unstable league, especially the bottom five or six. A lot of losses. Brownridge is gone. Murray's gone. A lot of big losses. I don't think they're going to have that many teams sneak up and beat you. Santa Clara, you know, loses a couple of really good players. Cratch was a really good player. Uh, so I, I, I like BYU. Now, what are the things that have to happen? You know, one thing already did happen. That group, only one of that group of five that, that started – Played the year before that. Either they were on missions, they were sitting out, whatever. Nick okay. Emery. Okay. So one player. They, they played 34 games, right? Were they 22 and 12? 34 mm-hmm. games. It, that ex- it had every imaginable experience from the highs, the highs, the lowest, the lows. They're going to learn things from that. They have six months right now to develop a culture defensively, to maybe tweak the offense. There's some things they need to do, identifying roles, weight room things, just the camaraderie, the the development of leadership, a coaching staff that's going to make changes and tweaks. We're going to see a different team next year with BYU, I promise you. we got six months to sit on two really difficult losses at the end of that year. They have everybody's full attention. I see BYU making the greatest growth. I I think St. Mary's has hit its ceiling. And there, there is some talk about a transfer coming in from New Mexico. That may happen. Uh, I think Saint, certainly Gonzaga's hit their ceiling. All right. So in that, in that setting, I, I see BYU as the third entity here making the greatest growth this coming year. Hmm. And I, I really like that because it didn't – the juxtaposition of St. Mary's best year – I know they've been to the Sweet 16, but yeah. regular season, best year ever – Gonzaga's best season ever with BYU's young group. We're talking about so, two top 20 teams. Yes, exactly. was so wide, right, that we're like, well, you're not them. And that comparison was tough. So, so what, what do you think – who and what do you think grows the most out of this growth you're talking about? Well, I, I think, first of all, the maturity of 
T.J. Hawes and, and Yoli Childs and even Elijah Bryant. I think the maturity there to, to buy in defensively to all the rules and things that you need to do to be a great defensive team. And, and then I think just identifying their roles. I see the greatest growth there. Obviously, Eric Mika is at a pretty high level right now. But he, if, he, you know, if he comes back, then there are lots of things he needs to get better at. If he comes back, it's because he wasn't ready to play. There wasn't one team that loved him enough to say, hey, come be with us. And so he has an opportunity. And I, and I, th- I just think the culture is going to change. I, I just think I know Coach Rose pretty well. And I don't – I hardly ever see Coach Rose. You know, we'll text and talk to each other once in a while. So it's not like I'm getting information here that says, hey, he's got an – I don't have anything inside. What, what I'd have is eight years of working with the man. And he's an outstanding coach. He knows how to put teams together. He knows how to bring the best out of young men. And I think right now he's risen to that challenge. And from a few – just a few uh, text messages and a couple of brief conversations. Uh, they're on it right now. Steve Cleveland with us in Studio B discussing BYU basketball in the immediate future and where they stand in the current landscape of the West Coast Conference. Let's say best-case scenario happens for BYU. Eric Mika comes back. Everybody's healthy. And Williams Goss leaves Gonzaga along with Collins. They lose Karnowski, and I think they lose one other key player, transfer. Well, Matthews. Yeah, Matthews. Jordan Matthews. Jordan Matthews is also gone. What's the best-case scenario in terms of a finish, like realistic for BYU next year with Eric Mika and with those Gonzaga superstars leaving? If If they're not, they don't have the mindset that we can win this conference championship, then I guess it won't happen. But I'm pretty sure that their goal will be to win a conference championship. And Zach Selyus is a huge get, uh, kind of an unusual way to get him, unfortunately, for him and the mission and the injury. But I think he's an X factor there. All of a sudden, Coach Rose loves to play small when he can. Zach slips in there and plays the four. It gives them more, just more ability to score. And I'm not suggesting that Zach is ready to guard everybody, but I think the whole team has to improve defensively. But I, I like this team. And, and they split with Gonzaga when they had the best team in the history of the school. And they had a, you know, actually, I, I, the game at St. Mary's was more competitive than one here, and then certainly in the conference tournament. But I think, too, that when someone's beat you like that, you're, you are more prepared, more motivated. I went through that here with Utah. You know, you just you take a bang in the head and head, you know, and you, they're just beating us silly. And then eventually you get a chink in the armor and you get an opportunity. And if that whole group comes back, then you're playing for a championship. Now, you know, Who's favored? Probably if, if Williams Goss isn't there, I'm going to say St. Mary's will be they'll be picked to win the league. And Gonzaga and I said, well, why would you pick anybody but Gonzaga since they've won it 15, 16 times in a row? But Gonzaga, when they lose, they have those kind of losses. I don't know if there's enough time to fill those holes. Maybe there is. If they've done it in the past, maybe they can do it again. But you got to remember now, Matthews was a senior or junior at Cal, but uh, Williams was sitting out. That, that was a, a big get. I mean, a huge get. And, and, and Williams Goss, you know, he was a guy that came from Washington and sat out. So I don't know that anybody's sitting out. I always kind of like to look at the benches and see if there's any really good-looking yeah. young men there. Who's not playing? Like, <laughs> yeah. Who didn't play that really looks like a player there? But uh, I haven't seen anybody like that. But Donnie Daniels, Coach Few, they're great recruiters. They've been doing this oh, for that years. Oh, coaching staff is amazing. Phenomenal. So I'm not suggesting for a moment that they're going to have guys. But if Williams Goss leaves – then it's St. Mary's to lose, and BYU is right back on the hunt to challenge for a championship. Mm. 
Wow. Okay, Coach Wait, Cleveland. It's getting me super excited for hoops on April twelfth. Bring in the heat. Well, we're, I mean, we decided <laughs> to talk it. about basketball today. Yeah. Right. It just it, it just gave me the other side of it. I love <laughs> it. I love it. The funny thing about it is that we it, it may seem a little bit delusional because you look back and see how it finished. You got to move on. You know, so that coach just said, you know, in baseball. I mean, you got to have a short memory. Yeah. Have a short memory, and then get to work and and make the changes where they need to be made. There's talent there, and uh, they they can do this. When do you expect BYU to win the West Coast Conference in basketball and why? Coach Cleveland just gave us his answer. Download the podcast to hear an entire conversation about why he's so optimistic about what BYU brings back, not in two years specifically, but next year. And I guess we'll find out with uh, the whole Eric Mika situation because that all still has to be worked oh, yeah, out. That. Yeah, that's playing in as well. Stay with us on BYU Sports Station. More of your tweets on the way. Come back, Eric, please. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan live from Studio B. This is your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. Very entertaining show today. Download the podcast on iTunes, TuneIn app, Stitcher, Google Play. Watch our daily rebroadcast week. That's on BYU TV at 6 p.m. Eastern. Men's volleyball back in action in the MPSF quarterfinals coming up Saturday, 9 Eastern time on BYU TV and BYU Radio against... Stanford. Jerem, this is something that we should have brought up earlier, but didn't have time to. So we're going to do it now. Robbie McCombs of Vanquish the Fall published an article today outlining how Gonzaga and St. Mary's helped BYU by making them a million bucks. I love this because you get money from teams in the NCAA tournament, right? So let's explain this. Each game's a unit. Gonzaga had five units, a.k.a. you know, games or wins or whatever. WCC record seven, by the way, because St. Mary's played in two. Didn't Gonzaga play in five? Wait a minute. Gonzaga played maybe, in six. Or Sorry, six. Maybe, maybe it's more. Yeah. Okay, uh, so those seven units made the league, seven or eight, made the league like 12 million bucks, 11.9. Huh? So that's distributed. We don't know how it's distributed. The NCAA says, please try and do it evenly. I bet you Gonzaga gets more. They deserve more. Please right? try and do it evenly. This is Gonzaga's league. They kind of dictate things, okay? It's not known how the money's distributed exactly. But this roughly BYU will get 186,000 bucks for the next 6 years because of Gonzaga and St. Mary's equating to 1.19 million dollars. 1. Point essentially 2 million dollars. Just, just to watch, but so will Pacific. In <laughs> <laughs> <And> Santa Clara and <laughs> Pepperdine. Isn't that great? They're like, "Yeah, Gonzaga." Woo! Yes, yes, Pacific who is the Mississippi State of uh West Coast Conference because yeah. of the cowbell. Yeah. So 1.19 million <laughs> estimated, right? Million bucks. For the West Coast Conference, two teams in the league. Wow. Buy, that, hey, that could buy stickers for every BYU fan of WCC. West Coast Conference! 186 though. <laughs> nice. We got excited about basketball last segment with Steve Cleveland. Like You're like, oh, I'm ready for hoops. It starts up in late October. There are things happening. There are Seven things months? happening much earlier than that, Jerem. Yes. Like in August. Countdown to the Vikings. 136. Hey, that just feels right. I, I know you guys had a poll and a discussion about old versus new. It is old. When you juxtapose the new versus the old, but we mix the graphic is what I love. The, the motion new graphic, graphic with the old. It music. is so awesome. Ragnar Lothbrook is the man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when do you expect BYU to win the West Coast Conference in basketball and why? At Laser Sheep says second place if Mika is back. Third if not. I didn't really answer the question, but <laughs> All hey, right. it's a Thanks take, right? 
Cougar Whip Around happens next. BYU Sports Nation is brought to you in part by DexterLaw.com for help when you need it most. Big thanks to today's guests, head baseball coach Mike Littlewood and the president coach Steve Cleveland bringing the heat. Coming up this week, Blaine Fowler, All-American Volleyball star Brendan Sanders, setter Alohi Robbins-Hardy, freshman golfer Rhett Rasmussen, and softball star Caitlin Larson-Aldridge. Loaded. Amazing that all of those players have done or are doing something incredible right now. That's why we're bringing them on, Spencer. We don't bring on non-incredible guests. (laughs) Let's whip it! It's time for the Cougar Whip Around Football. College football news. Who released an article with the title, How Would the College Football Playoff System Handle It If BYU Went 13 and 0? The article mentioned an improved defense and O line, which is why BYU could have a special season. Jimmer! Fredette's trophy case is getting more hardware. Jimo Dashen took home the AsiaBasketball.com Award for Player of the Year, Guard of the Year, Import Player of the Year, as well as First Team All CBA honors. What didn't he win? Baseball. He didn't win baseball. BYU defeats Utah Valley University yesterday, 8-3. The Bearcats. Bearcats? Cincinnati? The Badcats had a total of 12 hits, led by D.C. Clausen, two hits, a homer, three RBI. Softball. Beat Southern Utah 13-3 in a run rule win after five innings yesterday. Caitlin Larson-Aldridge had two home runs, four runs batted in. Mackenzie St. Clair and Ashley Thompson also added home runs. Golf. Men's team came in first place. They won their own tournament, the Pink Cougar Classic. They were 22-under. In the uh, and Patrick Fishburne and Spencer Dunaway both finished in the top three, baby. The women of BYU golf landed a third-place finish yesterday at the Dale McNamara Invite, concluding the 2017 regular season. Rose Huang tied for third place. Cougars compete in the WCC Championships April 20th through the 22nd at Riverside Country Club in Provo on their home course. Cougars in the minors. Colton Mahoney pitched for the single-A Yankees affiliate, the Charleston Riverdogs. They played against the Augusta Green Jackets. That's a great name. Mm. Three innings pitch, four strikeouts, one hit allowed. Today's Rise and Shout brought to you by Dexter and Dexter Help when you need it most. DexterLaw.com. Jerem? Caitlin Larson-Aldridge. Two homers, baby. Four RBIs, three runs. Baller. When do you expect BYU to win the WCC in basketball and why? At Laser Sheep with our elite tweet of the day. He responded again. If not before 2047, then that year for sure. 200 (laughs) years since Brigham said, quote, or hashtag, this is the place. The athletes will be born in 10 years. Oh, my goodness. Conversation continues (laughs) 24-7 on Twitter. Got to hope for something sooner than that, right? Man. For Jeremy, I'm Spencer. Shout out to Dave McGuire. We're back to work at noon Eastern tomorrow. Sports.